Chapter 2, verses 11 through the end of the chapter. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed by the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, so that he himself, he might make the two into one new man and establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father, so that you who are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and are God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple of God in whom you also are being built together into the dwelling of God in the Spirit. Father, we come before you, the author of peace, the provider of peace. Father, I pray that your word will touch our souls today and that we will understand where we were in our hopelessness, but now, Father, where we are in the hope of Christ Jesus. Help us to grab this as Paul prayed for the believers in Ephesus, I pray for the believers here in Castle Rock Baptist Church. Let us be overwhelmed. Let us understand. In Christ's name, amen. You are the blessed of Castle Rock Baptist Church. We are going to look at three words today. And they are going to rock your universe. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. We've been looking back on our contextually of what we've been looking at. We understand that Paul's laid it out. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, and we went through all of that and realized... You know, you can use the word hopeless, but that doesn't really cover it. When I go back to the word, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, it literally means you have no way to be stimulated to anything. A dead body cannot be stirred. You can't make it cry. You can't make it angry. You can't make it happy. You can't do anything to it. And yet he says that uh, you were at one time separate from Christ in verse 12. Separate from Christ. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers to the covenant of promises. Having no hope. And without God in the world. But if you go back to verse 1 you realize you have no possibility of even getting there. You can't do it. And that's one of the, the things that I am troubled by lately is Christ only can bring us to God, period. Now, there is, you can't count the ways to get to Christ. 
But there's only one way to God. And we are slowly moving into a society that says, no, there's a whole bunch of ways to get to God. And we want to do it in the name of, I I don't want to hurt your feelings. I know a church here in our town, our area, who took their crosses out of the building because the crosses were offensive. And you can sit and say, well, that seems, it's a very large church. Has a big following. What is that? Uh, One of their, I don't know, he's some kind of guy. I'm working on his motorcycle. (laughs) And uh, he called me, he says, how's it going? I said, you know what, I wouldn't give you a nickel for this. (laughs) And he says, well, I thought you were a pastor. And I said, I am. And I'm supposed to be a good steward of God's money. <laughs> and a nickel would be a waste. <laughs> so, well, I just can't believe. And I was like, I can't believe you bought it. So, anyway, and, I, and it is. And it's, it's, it's a mess. It's, I wouldn't, it's like I said, I wouldn't give you a nickel for it. But then he takes it onto a spiritual plane. I'm like, it's a motorcycle, dude. I'm the only one who gets to ride with the horses out of heaven on a motorcycle. (laughs) It is only Christ that can bring us to God. Verse 17 says, He came and preached peace. Okay. Verse 14, He Himself is our peace. So what did he preach if he is our peace? Verse 15. That in one new man thus establishing peace. He himself might do that. He made the peace. Okay, verse 17, it says he preached. He preached peace. You know what's amazing about that word? It's not the word that we normally translate as peace. It is literally evangelal, which is the word we get evangelized from. He evangelized peace. That's interesting. Don't you think that's interesting? I thought it was fascinating. Because as I wandered around in this, you know how I do, I wander around a lot. This was from the beginning. In Luke's gospel, chapter 2, verse 14, the angels announcing the birth of the king says this, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Angels appeared. What did they say? He brings peace. The person of Jesus Christ is surrounded and shines nothing but peace. You know, they talk about the Shekinah glory, the reflection of God. You know what it is? Peace. Peace. It's a uh, constant shall we say, recurring message. The uh, gospelized peace. The evangelization of peace. Have you ever heard this word? Shalom. You know what it means? Peace. Peace. When Jesus sent the 70 out, remember? Two by two. And he says, when you enter every house, the first thing you are to say is what? Shalom to this house. Peace to this house. It's always been the message that God was offering in Christ. Peace. So let me ask you a question. 
Why are you anxious? Ever thought about that? Peace with him and peace with men. That is the offer of peace. And you know what? It's a supernatural peace. It's not what the world offers. It is a peace that in the midst of death, tribulation, trials, heartache, disease, suffering, pain, and agony, a peace that can't be taken and it can't be broken. Jesus says last night the angels announced his incarnation that peace with men was here. His last night before his death, he told his disciples, peace I leave with you, peace I give unto you. Okay, this isn't what the world offers. Why? Because Jesus said, my peace, stop letting your heart be afraid. Stop letting it be troubled. John's Gospel, chapter 16. You are going to have persecution in this world. You are going to have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world that you might have peace. Hmm. Christ is always, has always, will always be offering peace. The birth of the church in the book of Acts. You see this quote unquote new creation. Acts chapter 10 verse 36. The early church. What was their message? You know, I I listen to what the church is doing right now and it's sort of one of these. The early church, they were going and they were, quote, preaching peace by Christ Jesus. Peace is always the message when you come to Christ. The animosity is gone. Between you and God. When the animosity is gone. Between you and God. Guess what? The animosity is gone. Between you and other people. The church was. And is. A wonderful fellowship of. Peace. Life of God flowing. Out of Christ, out of God, through Christ, through Jew, through Gentile. John Calvin said, it is the harmony of peace. It is peace between man and man, between man and God. He makes the statement here in verse 16. That he might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. Reconciliation. Have you ever read about the prodigal son? Is everybody? Everybody's read the prodigal son. Everybody knows the story. And most people ain't listening. I think he's talking. I think he's talking to somebody else. Prodigal son left. Took his inheritance, squandered it all, and came back. Okay. Have you ever thought about the story? Who was he first reconciled to when he came back? To the father. Who was he reconciled to secondly? His brother. Well, his brother was ticked. But when the reconciliation with the father happened, then there's automatically reconciliation with the the brother. That's reconciliation. We are reconciled to God. Then guess what? We are reconciled to each other. 
in Romans, Paul told the church in Rome, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, oh, what's the third one? Peace. 1 Corinthians 7. God has called us to peace. 1 Corinthians 14. God is not the father of the author of confusion, but of peace. See what I mean? It's kind of like all over the place. Interesting. At the climax of one of my favorite letters, the letter to the Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now, the God of peace who brought you up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you for every good thing to do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God of peace. We are at peace with God. When you are at peace with God, you are at peace with mankind. Okay? See, I could stop right there and say, wow, look. I mean, it started out with the angel saying, guess what? Peace has come to men. There was the peace with God. And then I can show you what Christ did. But you know what? There's more than that. Not only did we receive the blessing of peace with God, but we receive some other things. Verse 18 shows us some other things. For through Him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Okay. Verse 17 tells me that I have peace and access. Right? It's really cool if you if you read it. <laughs> By one spirit to the Father. I mean, if you read it. <laughs> through him, look at verse 18 again. Through him. Okay, who would be the him there? Christ. We both have access in one spirit. To who? The Father. You know what that is? That's one of those that drives the Jehovah's Witnesses nuts. That's the Trinity. They hate that. There's only one God. There's a lot of teaching on that. A lot of people believe that in mainline, there's one God. We all agree? Amen? Alright. But what happened is, God was in heaven. He came down here. He, in the person of Jesus Christ, He paid for the redemption of sinners. He ascended back to heaven, and then he sent his Holy Spirit back down, which is him. So right now, heaven is vacant, because the Holy Spirit's down here. Okay? And you just sit there and you go, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you do with that one? Okay? By one Spirit to the Father. Who? Who? Him by one Spirit. That's the whole Trinity. To Him, the Son, through the Spirit, to the Father. Through Christ, we have access by the Spirit to the Father. 
Okay? All right. Do you understand that that is only instantaneous access? As soon as you're saved, you're not waiting to gain access. You know what's really cool about it? You don't have to take a number and wait in line. The access is there immediately. Hebrews tells us we come boldly into his presence in a time of need. We have access by a great high priest who has opened the way. Verse 16. We might be reconciled them both in one body to God through the cross, having put to death the enmity, sin. Those who have been reconciled, a crazy word, a crazy word, apokatalusa, apokatalusa. Don't you feel better already? Reconciled, the definition of apokatalusa is turning hostility to friendship. Okay? But it has apokata. A-P-O-K-A-T-A. Apokata, okay? Uh, For those of you who are just struggling right now, it is a double preposition. It's what Greek people do. That's why it's a dead language. A double preposition. Apokata means it's a totality of this reconciliation. It's non-revocable. That's the word that is used here. Because I have apokatalusa, I have access. The word that you see here in verse uh, 18, we both have our access. Do you know that word's only used three times in the entire New Testament? It's used here. It's used in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. And it's used in Romans 5. Three times. All right. And it's used these times for a person who introduces someone to the king. It's interesting. Christ's work of reconciliation means, uh, and its totality. Places us in the spirit to introduce us to our father and king. I like it. Do you see what he just did there? You don't have to go to the pastor to get to the father. You don't have to go to the elder. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Because of your reconciliation, you instantaneously have access to God the Father. That word uh, in the Greek for access is prosogotu. Prosogotu. I like the way it says it. Prosogotu. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm trying to speak Japanese through the Greek. Prosogotu. There is a person who is an official, an introducer to the king. Prosogotu. You know, and you think about it. I think about it. If you look at Peter, Peter always referred to him as Jesus Christ. Okay, Jesus is his human side. Christ is his deity side. Okay, Paul refers to him on occasions, Christ Jesus. Because when Paul met him, it was the deity side first. And then he got to know the human side. Remember being taught in the Saudi uh, desert. Okay. To me, he's Christ Jesus. I didn't know him as a man. 
I know him as God's anointed. That's what Christ means. That's what Messiah means. But now he is prosoguto. He is the one who enters into the chamber of the God of all God and says, this is Terry. That's kind of cool. If you want to see the king, the prosoguto is the one who took you to the king. He gave us the introduction into the presence of the monarch. Everyone who has been reconciled. So when I read this, (laughs) I read it and it says, For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. I read that and I think, the word access is a tad bit on the lacking side for what is actually happening. It leaves out the part that we do not come in our own strength, but we need someone to introduce us. You just don't walk up and, hey, I'm here. Right? I mean, okay, think about it. You're going to go see the President of the United States. You just don't walk up and say, well, you know, you're staying in the people's house. I'm here. I need to talk to you. Right? You can try it, and we'll see you on the news. Okay? And I'll say, hey, I know them. (laughs) But because of what Christ did on that cross, you have absolute access at any given moment unto God. See, it loses something when it says, well, you know, I have access to God. Well, what does that mean? Well, you have someone who has literally taken you and introduced you to the Father. And I was going back to some stuff a few years ago. When I think about God's plan, remember we looked at God's plan, the Godhead's plan in uh, Ephesians 1? Okay. It's really cool. It, 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 I'm going to do it quickly. This is going to be one of those cliff note things because I don't want to go through all the texts. Anyway, in eternity past, okay, in eternity past, God so loved his son that he wanted to give his son a gift. That was the degree of his love. Okay. You know what he did? He planned on giving his son. A bride. Want to guess what that is? The church. That's the underlaying. Of what redemption is. But. The son. So loved the father. That he wanted to show the father. His love. By presenting. This bride. Holy and pure. Back. To the father. That's what Calvary is. That's why when you see it is finished, he's not in the process of cleaning us up. We are done. We're there now. And it was the father's love for the son and the son's love for the father. And you and I reap the benefit. To the point where he can go in and announce to the creator of existence. This one's yours, dad. 
Romans tells me in chapter 8 that I can call him Papa. Papa. Daddy. I remember running around in Jerusalem. And I was there years ago. And these little kids were running around and you'd hear them yelling, Abba, 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 Abba. And they wanted to show their kids in the shopping center area. And they were all, <laughs> it was so cute. And I kept thinking, I can do that to God. The word access is a little bit lacking. Because I understand that I do not come in my own strength. I mean, even if you want to. Think about it. I remember a discussion with a Russian years ago. And I was teaching the book of Romans. And it says, there's none who seek after God. That's what it says. All right? And he says, raises his hand. And he said, I've always sought after God. And I looked at him and I says, then just mark that out of your Bible. Okay, he threw a book at me. <laughs> I just, I know how to win people over with my bubbly, effervescent personality. Now, he came back the next day and apologized. And it, we may want to seek after something that appeases my conscience, but it's created in my own Image. There is none who seek after God. So you can sit and say, well, you know, I want to go see God. But if you don't go through the person of Jesus Christ by the power of his spirit, guess what? You're wasting your time. Our access to God the Father is not on our own. We can't do it. Through him, we both have an introducer who opens the way that we may go in. Okay. Hebrews shows us that Jesus Christ is our great, what? High priest. All right. You and I, we don't really have a good understanding of that. Every year, Judaism picks a high priest. Well, before the temple was destroyed. And that was the only person who was allowed to go into the presence of God on behalf of the people. Okay? And... He could only do it once a year. That's it. You had a high priest. He went in. He had a chest plate with a stone for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. He went in representing all of them. He offered up a, a sacrifice of blood onto the mercy street in the Holy of Holies. And then he came back out. He went on behalf of the people into the presence of God, which was the Holy of Holies. He could do it once a year. That word? Jesus is our great high priest. And guess what? Where is he? He's at the right hand of the Father. What's he doing? He's interceding for each and every one of us. When? Continually. We need a lot of intercession. Go read John 17. This is your homework assignment. Go read John 17 this week. Read it every day. Okay? And you're going to see what in the world is going on in heaven right now. That's what's going on in heaven, John 17. Jesus Christ is mediating. He is your advocate. He is your, I hate to use this word, but I'm going to, forgive me. He's your lawyer. He's there in front of the judge saying, it's taken care of. Yeah, but did you see the thought that just went through Wilbur's head? It's taken care of. 
It's forgiven. Yeah, but did you see what Ellie did? It's taken care of. You know he's got to be busy and he's definitely underpaid. That's what it means to have an introducer into the throne room of God. That's what the Apostle Paul's sharing with you and me here in Ephesians. Let me give you another picture. I have this advocate. I have this great high priest. He's every believer's advocate. Okay. (laughs) Jesus is that door that brings us into the Father. You have, okay, you got to go through a door, all right? You go through the door into the Father. The door is Jesus Christ. All right, let me give you a picture of it. Chapter 10 of the Gospel of John. Verse 7. Okay, in the context, okay, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs in another way, is a thief and a robber. Okay, now I've seen this. If you look at Israel on a map, south of Jerusalem is called Judea. Okay, and that's where Benjamin is was absorbed by Judea and all the rest of it. And then you drop a little farther south and you'll see a place that's called the Negev. Okay? It's a wilderness. It is, yeah, it is God-forsaken wilderness. I mean, all it does is grow dirt and rocks. Okay? But there's a little stretch right in between them where people will graze their sheep. And it was weird because the first time I went by it, you could just look over these hills all over the place and it looked like spider webs. Okay? And all it was is these trails that these sheep herders would take their sheep over to another rise, another valley, and they would feed there and graze for a while. And then they'd take... See, you can't leave sheep on it because they'll eat it to dirt. I mean, literally. So what they do is they move them around. But you could see all of these little trails around here where the shepherds for generations have been wandering around leading their sheep to these different places. But if you look, there's all of these little places that look like um, when, when kids would grow up and they'd build a fort. They'd stack up a bunch of rocks or stuff like that or pile up a bunch of dirt. And, and they would have, and you see them, they're all circular. They're all about uh, four and a half to five feet tall. I mean, you could stand in them. I stood in one. You stand in it. And, you know, I'm not an NBA player, but I could look over it. And, and you could see. And what happens is when they're got their sheep out, okay, and they're feeding them. To grow them, instead of bringing them all the way back into the house, they'll take them and they'll put them in these pens. Nobody owns these pens. If you got there and you got this little pen thing and you would say, oh, all right, I'm going to go. And I, you just you just walk into the door and the sheep would follow you in. They'd fill this thing up and then the shepherd would lay down at the door and sleep. Because no one could go in or go out unless he went by the shepherd. Have you ever heard this phrase? Over my dead body? You know where that came from? Ain't nobody getting into them sheep unless they go over my dead body. Back to our text here. Verse 7. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. No one comes in except by the good shepherd. Is that awesome? I mean, he lays it out and we just kind of stumble around going, Oh, I don't even know what a sheep is. I am the door. 
and the shepherd would block the way in or out. And he's already said that anybody that comes in any other way is a what? A thief or a robber. His body in death, we each have now an entrance to the Father. See why I said that the word access seems to be a tad bit on the lacking side. Jesus is our intercessor. He is our access. We can come to God and cry out, Abba, because of the Good Shepherd. We can cry cry out to God who spoke existence into being and call Him Papa. Now, you know, I, I think about that. As Abba, as Papa, I can cry out and I can say everything that is in our heart. And you know what's really cool about it? I don't have to say it with fear. I don't care what it is. I don't care what you're struggling with. I don't care what your heartache is. I don't care what your turmoil is. I don't care what your tribulation is. You can cry out to Him without fear. I, it is literally an open and honest conversation. I don't have to hide it. I don't have to hide nothing. That's why I tell people who are thinking about marriage, the most intimate thing that a man and woman can do is pray. You're going into the throne room of God. Papa, what are you going to hide? I mean, you might be a knucklehead and a bonehead or whatever you want to call it. And you might think you're hiding something. He'll embarrass you. Don't worry. We can share ourselves with God as he shares himself with us. Listen. It's taken me years and years, over three decades, to get this thing finally resolved. Do you understand that God is not looking at each of us trying to find something to condemn us of? Did you know that? Why is it so many of us live that way? Romans chapter 8. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? I got news for you. Whole bunch of people will. Whole bunch of people will. If not, I tell you what. Walk with me for a week. And I'll show you how many people will bring a charge against God's elect. But it is God who justifies. If God justifies you, guess what? No one can complain. What's the complaint? I have an introducer who's my advocate, who's my lawyer, who is at the right hand of the judge. You know what? Even the accuser of the brethren, he has his list. He has a list. And he just keeps, and he keeps, look, look, look. And you know what they say? (laughs) Got nothing, man. They might say in Hebrew with a Scottish accent. But anyway, you got nothing, man. There's nothing there. It's all under the cross. I have forgiven, and you know what's really cool? And forgotten. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. And that still is one of those things that you sort of play with. How far is that? 
They go back to the meridian timeline. Where do we go there? How far west do you have to go before you realize you're headed east? What? That's how far your sins are from him. It, we, why do we carry the guilt? I don't understand that. And it doesn't mean, listen, I'm not saying that your conscience doesn't bother you at times. Let it go. Change your direction. He has forgiven. He has forgotten. It is all covered in the blood of Christ. Come into the presence of your father. And you know what's really cool about it? <laughs> You walk into the presence of the Father and all you get is His open arms. His Spirit prepared the way. The Son gives us access. And you know what? To me, that is an amazing mystery. All three are working together. And you know what? I have no idea how that works. I don't know. But I do know this. It will all be cleared up when I get to heaven. But until then, I'm like, amen. Each of us have been reconciled. By that, you have access to God the Father. Now, I want you to grab this for a second. Those of us who were dead in our trespass and sins, those of us who did not know Christ, those of us called the, the circumcision or the uncircumcision, those of us who were spiritually and socially dead and alienated in Christ, we are socially and spiritually united with each other and with God. With God, we have peace. With God, we have an introducer. He takes us in, and guess what? He doesn't hold anything against us. He's not looking for ways to condemn us. So you know what? We should quit looking for ways to condemn one another. Everything is forgiven and everything is forgiven instantly. Instantly. And it is so forgiven that it is never remembered. The way is always open. The way is always clear. Listen, you never need to fear to go into the presence of God. Never. I don't care what boneheaded thing you did. You don't have to fear it. If you are a Christian and you fall into some sin, let me tell you something. Caveat here. You will. You fall into a sin. Don't be afraid to go to God. Okay. Now listen, be afraid if you don't want to go to God. That, 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 that's good ground for fear. But rush into his presence as fast as you can get there. And you'll find every time love, grace, and forgiveness. Every time. That's what it means to be reconciled in his peace. It's an introducer into his presence. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us. And then he gives three illustrations in 19 through 22. And we'll try to pick that up next week. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. Through the good shepherd who is the door for all of his sheep. 
Help us, my King. Help us to understand this. Help us to embrace it. Help us to be overwhelmed with it. But help us to understand the joy of our salvation. May we be overwhelmed by your presence. Father, we love you. But Father, the reason is that you first loved us, even though we were yet sinners. Father, help us. Help us to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, but help us to walk worthy of this amazing calling. Let us be overwhelmed by you. In Christ's name, amen.